We're continuing our series on the parables of Jesus Christ. Parables are simply earthly stories that Jesus tells that have an eternal or a heavenly application. In some cases, um, Jesus is going to make that application. In other cases, we're the ones that have to figure it out. We have dealt with a number of them this morning. We're going to uh, last week we talked about the one that was in relationship to the Lord's Prayer that followed right after the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it was the idea about the friend at midnight. And we talked about the idea of boldness, of being able to, as we pray, be bold in our prayers. Uh, this morning we're going to kind of continue a little bit with a parable that also has to do with this idea of prayer. Uh, it's found in Luke chapter 18. But you have to know what comes before the parable in Luke 17 to make context of Luke 18. So, Let me give you a little bit of background. In Luke chapter 17, we're in the last month of the life of Jesus Christ. So we're within about 30 days of going to the cross. Uh, Jesus is, at that point, trying to prepare his disciples as much as he can for him getting ready to go. And so one of the questions that comes up is, when when is everything going to be made right? When when, when are you going to... Get rid of all this stuff and make stuff right. And so Jesus in Luke 17 talks about the end times, when he comes again, when he makes everything right. When um, evil is punished and uh, good is rewarded. And so he deals with that in Luke chapter 17. And then we come to our passage that we want to look at this morning in Luke chapter 18. And here's what Jesus said. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, A certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So she won't eventually come back and attack me. Uh, We'll get into what that means in a minute. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for, you see that phrase, his chosen ones? Only time it's ever used in the book of Luke. We'll talk about that in a second. Who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith, or literally the faith, on the earth? So let's walk through the parable a little bit, put it in context, and then we'll get to some some applications for us. He starts this parable by saying, first of all, I want you to always pray and not give up. Now remember, in the Jewish world, it was customary for them to pray three times a day. So when he talks about this idea of prayer, one of the things that he's talking about is this idea of always having this continual attitude of prayer. Um, often we as Christians, we think we, we, we compartmentalize our life. So when we're going through a struggle, it's like, okay, now I'm going to pray about it. Now I'm going to, no, it, it needs to be just a natural progression of life that we, we pray about all the stuff that comes into our life. That's what he's saying. Always pray and, and, and not uh, give up. He talks in this story about an unjust judge. Okay, so let me give you a little background. In the Roman world, Often, Rome would appoint a judge into an area. Um, However, in Rome, like in America, um, there's a lot of 
politics that came with the position. So many of the many of the, the the judges were bought, or there was a favor, or whatever else. So in the Roman world, um, in fact, in the Roman world, they were often known as what were called robber judges. You could actually buy them off in some cases for as little as as a pound of of meat. A pound of hamburger would buy would would buy them off, and they'd rule in your favor. In the Jewish world, uh, the Jews were. They looked at judges very, very differently. In the Jewish world, in a town, they would set up actually three judges. And they all three would hear the case. And that was the way to offset it. In the Jewish world, they had a whole set of requirements for the judges. Um, here's what they were. Um, they had to be wise, meek, or modest. They had to fear God. They had to hate money. They had to love truth. They had to love men. And they had to be masters of good name. They had to have a character, good character about them. So in the Jewish world, when they set up judges, that's what that's their rule that they would set up. In this story, Jesus says, the one thing you need to know about this judge is he's unjust. He doesn't care about God, and he doesn't care about people. And that's important to the story. The one thing, the two things you know about this judge is he's in it for himself. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. And he has no concern about a God of heaven. He has no fear whatsoever of God of heaven. He's in it for himself. Then Jesus introduces us to a widow. And he said, there's a widow woman. Now, in our culture, we look at widow people differently than you would have in this generation or in this time period. In this time period, a widow, um, basically, when, when you became a widow, when your husband died, your family took care of you. In many cases, now again, they didn't have nursing homes. They didn't have, people didn't have their own private homes. So when your husband passed away, a lot of the stuff went with them. And so a, a lot of the stuff was given away. So widow people were often poor. They were often taken advantage of. They were often oppressed. They were often laid to just fend for themselves. So as far as a class of people, that's why, by the way, when, when Jesus talks, or when the New Testament talks about Christians, it says one of the things that's different about Christians is they take care of the widows. Because in this culture, they didn't. And so when Jesus tells this story, he picks out this woman who's a widow. And no one will listen to her. She doesn't have anybody that will advocate for her. So she has to go to this judge who doesn't care about God or people and get him to listen to her. That is her only source. That's it. That's the only place that she can turn. So that Jesus tells a story, and he says what happens is this woman keeps coming to him over and over and over. So every day that he gets up to judge, and the door opens up, there she is. And he listens to her. He's not going to do anything. Why? He doesn't care about her. He doesn't care about people. He doesn't care about God. Okay, okay, send her on her way. She, next day, there she is. The next day, there she is. The next day, there she is. Finally, the guy goes, you know what? I don't care about people. I don't care about her. I don't care about what happened to her. I don't care about anything that has to do with her, but I do care about me, and I am tired of listening to her. So I'm going to take care of this just so she goes away. Now, the 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 more... the the, the Parable is not saying that's what we need to do to God, okay? So don't, don't, you know, we don't have to, that, that's just the opposite. But the idea is this. 
Um, and, and he uses the term, lest she attack me. Literally in the Greek language, it's unless she gives me a black eye. The idea was she's just wearing me down to the point that I want to get rid of her so she goes away so I can get back to my life the way I want to re- run my life. And then Jesus draws this analogy. He says, now listen. And if you remember last week, we talked about the arguing from the lesser to the greater. He does it again in this parable. And here's what he said. If an unjust God, an unjust judge who doesn't care about God, who doesn't care about people, will answer requests, what do you think a just God who is listening to his chosen children, will do. That's the point. He said, if an unjust judge will grant a request, what do you think a God who has chosen you, saved you, made you his child, cares about you, has invested everything towards you, What do you think that kind of judge is going to do? And he says, he will hear the prayer of his children, and he will answer them quickly. We're going to talk about the quickly part in a minute. And then he ties it back to chapter 17, and he asks this question. But here's a question for you. When the Son of Man comes back, is he going to find faithful people here? Is he going to find people who have stuck it out? That's why he starts this passage by saying, pray and don't quit. He's saying, look, don't get weary in the battle. You you see this later in the New Testament. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you think not. He says, look, you need to understand this. As, As you go forward, don't give up, don't quit. So in last week, we talked about this boldness in prayer. This week, we see this idea of this patience and persistence in prayer. So let's talk about a couple of applications for us as, as we kind of head in the week and, you know, as we talk about and kind of deal with this whole um, idea of prayer. And here's the idea. First thing is this. God's going to keep his promise. Judgment is coming. There's a day God's going to make everything right. Make no mistake about that. Make no mistake about that. Peter says it this way. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise. There's our idea again. Quick? Really? I mean, come on. We've been saying this for 2,000 years. As some of you understand slowness, but is patient or long-suffering with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should be converted. You see, here's what you see in the Scriptures. Over and over and over again, you see this idea that God draws a line. When that line gets crossed, there's no going back. Adam and Eve starts out, Genesis. Don't eat of that tree. The second they cross that line, what happens? You're out of the garden. God, we want to go back in. Give us another chance. No, you're out. The flood. Noah builds an ark. 120 years. 120 years. 120 years. You think your project keeps going on. 120 years of building of this boat. And then what happens? You read the text very carefully. 
I think this is fascinating. God shuts the door. Because I got a feeling Noah would have let it open and let other people come in, but God's the one who shut the door and said, they've had 120 years. They've had 120 years of watching you. They've had 120 years of mocking you. They've had 120 years of making you the biggest joke in the town. The door is shut. The line is drawn. Sodom and Gomorrah. Because of their, and and by the way, some people jump on the Sodom and Gomorrah thing. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for their unbelief. It's mentioned later in the Old Testament. Because of their unbelieving heart. Children of Israel. Griping and complaining, griping and complaining, griping and complaining. What did God do? God said, here's the line. They crossed it. And God said, fine, I'm going to give you what you want. All of you are going to die off in the wilderness. Those of you who are 20 years in age and older, I will, or 20 years and younger, you will give, I will give to you that which I was going to give to your parents. Why? Because your parents, I drew the line and your parents crossed it. Moses. God's man who should have been able to go into the promised land, never got to go in. He could only see it. Why? God drew a line. You go, well, it's Moses' anger that kept him out. No, no, read the text very carefully. When you go back to that story of Moses and and, and that deal, you know why Moses didn't go into the promised land? Read very carefully what Moses says when he's with the people. God and I brought you out. We brought you out of the... Moses took credit for something that belonged to God. And God said, Moses, you're not going in. But Moses, you've been faithful, and I'm going to honor you. I'm going to let you see it. And I'm going to do something for you I've never done for anybody in all of the history of the world. I'm going to bury you. The angels are going to bury you, and nobody's going to know but heaven. I'm going to honor you, but I've drawn a line, and you crossed it. You see over and over and over again God's drawn a line. So let me explain this to you. This is what we're talking about here. Luke 17 and here. God's drawn a line in this world. And there's coming a day. When Jesus comes the first time, he comes as a baby in a manger. He comes as our Savior. He comes as a servant. When Jesus comes the second time, he's coming back to make it all right. For sin to be punished, for good to be rewarded, for everything to be made right. And when he comes back the second time, he comes back as king of kings on a horse to declare war on Satan and this world. It is not going to be an enjoyable time on this planet. You think COVID was bad? COVID was nothing. You go back through and you read the, new, the, the book of Revelation on what happens to this world when this world has rejected God, and he comes back as king of kings and lord of lords. That's what Luke is talking about. And he says, you need to be patient because God is working quickly and God will bring quick judgment. And that's where we get hung up. They're like, quick. I mean, Peter was written 2,000 years ago and we're still waiting. You know, what do you mean quick? And again, it's our perspective. And I've done this before, but now that the auditorium is bigger and there's more people, I've got I to make it different. So here's what I'm going to do. Okay? Again, we lose perspective of it. In the old building, there's dots all over the front wall because I use this illustration. I use it at least once a year at least. Let this wall represent eternity. That's the beginning and that's it. I understand eternity has no beginning and end, but, but you've got to visually figure it out. Okay? So just let that wall represent eternity okay, for a moment. 
Okay? Here's the cross. I'll put it up there so you guys can see it in the back. All right, there's the cross. Beginning creation of the cross, there it is. You know where that puts us 2,000 years later? About here. Let's say you live 70 years on this planet. There you go. That's it. Your entire 70 years on that planet, there it is in that dot. But I keep praying for this, and I pray for so long, and God hasn't answered my prayer. God's going to answer you. God's going to answer, and God's going to deal with all of the sin, and he's going to deal with this world and everything else. And in comparison, it is short, and it is quick in the scope of that. You want to know what the craziest thing in the world is to me? What God does for you and for me is this. He says, I'm going to put you on this planet for however many years you got. Let's say it's 70. I'm going to put you on this planet for seven years. And I'm going to use you and I'm going to do things through your life that will impact all of that. But you are going to have to trust me that what I do and what I allow and what you experience in your life is for all of this and not about you. You're going to have to trust me that, yes, I understand. It is hard. It is a struggle. It is difficult. I get that. But my picture is this, not just your 70 years here. Not just the time you have on this planet. I have something much bigger in mind. And the idea that you and I get the opportunity to have that kind of impact. What is it that you go through that's too much? What is it you go, but you don't know how hard my day-to-day is. I, I don't. But here's what I do know. God's working out something much bigger. Here's what I do know, is that you don't know who you're going to impact or how you're going to impact them and how many people afterwards they're going to impact. We don't know that. That's why he starts this passage out, but he's saying, look, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to hang in there. You're going to have to keep at it. Because here's the thing. God's going to keep his pride, and judgment's going to come. And when judgment comes... It ain't pretty. It's not pretty. I have a lot of friends, and I pray this, you know, Lord, come quickly. You know, this world's so messed up, come and get it over with. I'm going to be honest with you. As a pastor, I understand. I understand what John was saying when 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 he prayed that prayer. I have a hard time praying that prayer. And the reason I have a hard time is because I understand what that means is God's drawn a line. And when he comes, not second chance after that line. I have a lot of people that I want to see reached. I have a lot of people that I'm burdened for. Do I want the Lord to come back? Yeah, but that's selfish. That's about me. Because when he comes back, 
He's going to make it right. Because here's the thing that you learn. He's not an unjust judge. He's a just God. That's why he draws that analogy in the story of this guy's unjust. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about people. God cares about people. That's why he's slow. He's not slow concerning his promises. He's going to promise, but be careful that you don't say, because he is patient, he's not working. No, he's patient because he is working. And that's what's so important. We serve a just God. He's going to make it right. You know, every time you go to a funeral, let me tell you something. You want to get mad at, you know, I get people, you know, well, I'm mad because God took him, or I'm mad because... Of, you want to get mad at somebody at a funeral, you get mad at Satan. We have death because of sin. We have sin because Satan introduced it to this world and man decided to choose Satan over God. There'll come a time it's going to be made all right. Not yet. And that's what he challenges these people for. And he asks this question at the end of his, this thing about prayer. He asks this question. Here's a question. When he comes, what's he going to find? He's going to find people who are faithful. He's going to find people who still have faith, who still put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's going to find people who are still hanging in there, waiting for his coming, praying, hanging in there. Is he going to find that? Is he? He should. That's our call. That's our challenge. As we go forward in this, in this whole thing. The other side of it is this. Um, he uses a word in here that he doesn't use any other place in the book of Luke, and that's the idea of chosen. So the idea that you and I are God's children. It's actually a link to the Old Testament, uh, elected, appointed one. It has this idea that we're his children. One of the things that you learn about parenting is that, for the most part, you'll do just about anything for your kids, won't you? It's about anything for your grandkids, right? I mean, my wife and I, you know, we went, we hadn't done this in years, but yesterday, yeah, yesterday, yeah, we did, um, no, Friday, Friday, um, we did uh, yard sailing. Um, used to be when I went yard sailing, it was all about me and tools. We bought all kinds of grandkids stuff yesterday. Now, I admit, some of the grandkids stuff I bought because I wanted to play with. I found this awesome Mr. Potato Head set from Disneyland. Okay. That they had gotten in like Disneyland. So it had like the goofy beak and the, all these really cool things. I told Gene yesterday, I said, can you clean that up? Cause I kind of want to like play with it with, with the kids. Um, <laughs> like I've never seen it. It was, it was so awesome. It was like the deal of the day, I think. But anyway, um, you know, we're buying stuff for the grandkids. You do anything for your kids, won't you? Here's the problem. God says, look, you're my children. And in the end, he will do anything for us, but he will only do what's best for us and the big picture. And that's what you get. That's what we have to keep in mind. So sometimes what God says to us is wait or no. You ever had to tell your kids or grandkids, no? No, not my grandchildren. No, yes, you should. Okay, you've got to have rules for them too. What's the idea of 
you, 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 you want what's best for them in the long haul, right? It's not just about the short term. It's about the long haul thing. So one of the things that we have to teach, and one of the things that God does with us, this is a foreign concept to a lot of younger people, but because we've gotten away from it, delayed gratification. Do you remember layaway? Kids are going, what? Yeah, in the old days, here's what you did. If you wanted something, so let's say there, there was a toy that you wanted or something else. You went into the store and you said, I want to put this on layaway. And so let's say it was a $100 item. What they do is they take that box and they put your name on it and they put it in a special section of the store and it couldn't be sold right now. And it went back there. And then every month you would walk in and pay towards it until the last payment that you made. So you pay them $10 a month. At the end of 10 months, you give them that $10 and they say, thank you. It's all paid off. Now here's your item. You paid on it for 10 months and you've looked forward to getting it. And you get it at the end of 10 months. That concept doesn't exist anymore. In fact, it's just the opposite now. Right now, it's pay. You can have it now. And we'll take payments for the next three or four years. And then by the time it is paid off, you're replacing it again. Because we flipped it. Why? Because we no longer are in a society they want that, that can deal with delayed gratification. We're in a society that says we have to have it now. And look, I, look, I'm not, I'm guilty of this as anybody. You take my courage away, we got a problem. Okay? I mean, I'll tell you right now, the one place you do not want to be in our house is when the courage breaks down. In fact, it happened. How many years ago was that? Like three, four years ago? I don't know. Three years ago. Yeah. See, they, they got it. They tell you the date. That was that bad a deal. Um, I got up and there's a note. Keurig is broken. Get another one. So I ran to the store to get another one. So, cause I wasn't going to go two days without. So why? Because we just, I like pod. What kind of coffee do I want today? Peep, poop, boom, boom, boom. It's hot. Two minutes later. I can choose a different flavor the next time. I, I love the, the, the instant gratification that comes with a hot cup of coffee exactly as I want it. Now, don't worry. We have this problem solved in our family. On Black Friday, there was one on sale. We have a backup Keurig. So if one goes down, I go to the basement, and we're good to go right away. We don't have to go through that crisis again. Um, but that's the world we live in, isn't it? And, and don't, we, don't we do the same thing with God? You don't understand, God. I prayed for it for like three days. Really? Three days? God, I spent two years praying for this. Really? God, you don't understand. It's so hard on me right now. Really? This is why Paul says, our... Light affliction, when you compare it to this, is but for a moment. While we look not at the things which are seen, that dot on the wall, but the things which are not seen. Why? There's something eternal at work here. That's what he says. And so, yes, is what you're going through hard? Yes. Is it difficult? Yes. But you hang in there, and you keep praying, and you keep plugging away.
And you keep trusting. Because one day, it's all going to be made right. When that day comes, and Jesus comes back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, when Jesus comes back for, for the rapture and takes his children with it, let me tell you something. At that moment, he needs to find people who are faithful and consistent and praying and hanging in there and not quitting. He needs people who see the big picture, not just what you're going through right now. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to minimize what you're going through. I'm just trying to help you to see, we see this much. We're focused on the dot. God's focused on the whole big thing. And you don't know, just like me, I never knew that a phone call would change my life like it did to be here for 30 years. A phone call. You want to really spiel this thing down? We're talking about, in my little dot up here of my life, we're talking about a 12-hour span, 24 hours. They called me on Saturday night. I was supposed to tell them on Sunday afternoon. You really want to see the hand of God in all of this? That's God at work. That's God at work. And I just, I, I got to challenge you with this idea because I think sometimes we get so caught up in that courage mentality of, I don't have it right now, so God's not listening, and God doesn't care, and God doesn't love me, and God doesn't... God, it's just yeah, an unjust God, an unjust judge gave the woman what she wanted just so she would go away. How much more your Heavenly Father who cares about you and generally wants what's, what's, what's best for you. He is listening. He does know. He does want to help. But He is focused on this. And He wants you to play a part this. So that means when you're here, it may be tough. And it may be hard. And you may really struggle, but that's okay. Because you're his child and he's using you to accomplish something incredible. I just want to challenge you, because I think sometimes we lose sight of this. And we make what we're going through so much about us that we forget this. I end with this. The parable of the widow and the judge reminds us we serve a just God. God will keep his promises. But we cannot equate his delay or his impatience or his patience with inactivity. Everything that happens is on God's timetable, not ours. The ultimate goal is that his will is accomplished through our lives as we serve him and let him use us. Let's pray. Lord, we get so short-sighted in so much. Lord, it's so easy for us to focus on our world and our situation and what we want. But Lord, as Paul said so many times, we are your servants. Lord, we're your slaves. We, We want you to do with our lives what you need to do with our lives to accomplish your plans and your purposes and your goals. And Father, the fact that you allow us to impact others is something, Lord, that uh, so many of us don't realize how much confidence and faith and trust you put in us 
to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. So, Lord, use us this week. Thanks for the time. Help us to apply it. And may we pray. And may we not quit. May we continue to keep you close in our hearts and lives. These things we ask in your name. Amen.